the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The song in Revelation 15, 2, that is the song of Moses and the Lamb is a Sabbath song at the end of time. And so the Sabbath song is the victory song over the mark of the beast and its image. That's Pastor Michael Oxentenko, and this is Reaching Your Heart. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, make sure that you call us at 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Someone is there right now to take your prayer request and to pray with you. 888-244-HOPE. Today's broadcast with Pastor Michael Oxentenko is entitled The Song of Moses and the Lamb. The last time we were together, we brought you the first portion of this message, but now we will conclude it. And don't forget, if you did miss any portion of this broadcast, you can find it online at reachingyourheart.com. That's reachingyourheart.com. Here's Pastor Mike. Dr. J. Alfred Edersheim, a Christian convert from Judaism, had this to say about the harps of God described in Revelation 15. He was an expert in the temple service at the time of Christ, at the time he wrote this. He nails it. He says, There is yet a third reference in the book of Revelation to the harps of God, with most pointed allusion not to the ordinary, but to the Sabbath services in the temple. In this case, the harpers are all they that had gotten the victory over the beast. The church which has come out of the great tribulation stands victorious on the sea of glass and the saints, having the harps of God sing the song of Moses, the servant of God. Now, it gets better. He says it is the Sabbath of the church. And as on the Sabbath besides the psalm for the day at the ordinary sacrifice, they sang at the additional sabbatic sacrifice in the morning. And then he tells you what song they sang there in that second temple period. The Song of Moses in Deuteronomy 32. In the evening, that in Exodus 15. These are the two places in the Torah where we have the Song of Moses, two different songs. So the victorious church celebrates her true Sabbath rest, he writes, by singing the same Song of Moses and the Lamb, only in language that expresses the fullest meaning of the Sabbath songs in the temple. An amazing insight by this Christian scholar who lived over 100 years ago. The language of harps... And the song of Moses together is the ancient service song, the Sabbath song of the temple. So the song of Moses with harps was the Sabbath song when Jesus was on earth. And likewise, this song in Revelation 15, 2, that is the song of Moses and the Lamb is a Sabbath song at the end of time. And so the Sabbath song is the victory song over the mark of the beast and its image. We cannot speak of this victory song over the mark of the beast and its image, friend. Unless we learn to sing the song, the Sabbath song with harps and hear the song of Moses in our hearts as Christians. Jesus knew that the Sabbath would be very important in our prayer life at the time of the end. Some people say, well, you know, as soon as Jesus died on the cross, he nailed the Sabbath to the cross. You ever hear that stuff? Nailed the law of the cross? Done it, did away with it? You know, the problem with that is Sunday comes two days too late to be in the new covenant. Christ died on Friday. The Bible says you have to ratify a covenant with your blood. 
Paul is very clear that you cannot add to a covenant once you have ratified it with your blood. So to change the Sabbath two days after you ratify the covenant with your blood would be like changing a legal document after you signed for it. Impossible. So the Sabbath comes two days, actually three days too late to be in the new covenant. Jesus knew the seventh-day Sabbath would be very important in your prayer life and mine at the time of the end. So he told his disciples to keep it. Look at Matthew 24, verse 20. Christ is speaking a few days before he dies. Pray that your flight may not be in winter or on a Sabbath. Do you see that? Now, why would he say that if he's getting ready to do away with the Sabbath as he dies on the cross? Verse 21. He takes it further beyond the cross. For then there will be great tribulation, such as not been from the beginning of the world until now, no, and never will be. The seven plagues will follow the mark of the beast issue, and there will be a time of trouble unlike anything this world has ever seen. And Jesus said, looking to the future beyond the cross, pray your flight may not be on the Sabbath. Why? Because we need the Sabbath at the time of the end. If he was trying to do away with the Sabbath at the cross, it would have been dishonest for Jesus to say this a few days before he died. Jesus does not lie to us. A compelling statement is compelling in logic that the Sabbath is an abiding rest, as Hebrews 4 says. He told us to keep the Sabbath because it matters to us in our walk with God at the time of the end. Friend, the Sabbath doesn't need us. You know, the Sabbath doesn't need us. We need the Sabbath. Why? Because we need the Lord of the Sabbath. We need Jesus. And because we need the gospel rest that Christ brings to us in Sabbath experience. Jesus is very clear here that a Sabbath-keeping, prayerful person who relies on the gospel will endure the tribulation of the time of the end. I want to get through the time of the end. I want to get through the tribulation. Are you with me? We need the Sabbath and we need prayer. That's why we need to be in church, actively engaged early enough to benefit from our Sabbath school classes, especially our children, so our families will make it through the time of the end. Jesus is very clear here that a Sabbath-keeping, prayerful person will make it. So let's look at the Song of Moses and the Lamb with a little more care here in Revelation 15. Revelation 15, verse 3. And they sing the Song of Moses, the servant of God, and the Song of the Lamb, saying, Great and wonderful are thy deeds, O Lord God the Almighty. Just and true are thy ways, O King of the ages. Who shall not fear and glorify thy name, O Lord? For thou alone art holy. All nations shall come and worship thee, for thy judgments have been revealed. The very first words in the Song of Moses and the Lamb are, Great and wonderful are thy deeds. Great and wonderful are thy deeds. Very first words here. It just so happens that this is a direct quote from Psalms 92.5. Open your Bibles. Go to Psalms 92.5 because I want you to take your Bible and let your finger guide you here to something I'm going to show you. Psalms 92, verse 5, How great are thy works, O Lord. Do you see that in verse 5 in your Bible? Thy thoughts are very deep. God's smart. He's wise. Now what you should do is take your finger and move it up the page to the very beginning of the psalm because this quotation, the song of Moses and the Lamb, is coming from verse 5 of Psalms 92. What kind of song is it quoting in the Old Testament? You take your finger and you go up the page to verse 1, You'll find out. Psalms 92.1, a psalm. Do you see that? And then it says a song for the Sabbath. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to thy name, O Most High. Do you realize this is the only song in the Hebrew Psalter 
The only song in the book of Psalms that is the song for the Sabbath. And so in the victory song over the mark of the beast, the song of Moses and the Lamb, it quotes this passage to bring us to that one song in the Old Testament that is the great song for the Sabbath. And so the victory song in the book of Revelation must also be a song for the Sabbath. You see, the Sabbath's at the heart of the mark of the beast issue. The Sabbath is in the Bible the sign of God that bears witness to his covenant name. I gave them my Sabbath to be a sign, Ezekiel 20, 12 says, that they might know that I am the Lord who sanctifies them. The Sabbath is not the focal point, but it points to the person who is. It is a sign that we know God on God's terms. Revelation 15, 4 says, Who shall not fear and glorify thy name, O Lord? Most people don't even know what it means. The Song of Moses and the Lamb, friend, is a song that honors the name of the Lord. In the Bible, God's name and God's law are the same thing. Did you hear me? God's law and God's name, they comprise an identity. Because the Ten Commandment law of God is a transcript of the character of God. It is the character of God's love written out in clearest terms. When God gave us the Ten Commandments, He gave us an explanation of what His name Yahweh, the Lord, means. Psalms 119.55. Let's look at the verse. David says, I remember thy name in the night, O Lord. Now, how is it spelled in your Bible? Capital letters, L-O-R-D. That's Yahweh, Jehovah God. I remember thy name in the night, O Lord, Jehovah Yahweh, and I keep thy law. So to remember God's name is to keep his law. This blessing, verse 50, has fallen to me, and I have kept thy precepts. God's law is not a curse. It is a blessing when rightly understood. At creation, God blessed the seventh day and he made it holy. And just as the seventh day comes online in Genesis 2, 1 to 3, it comes from God with a blessing because the holy name of God is in the seventh day. Yahweh, Jehovah, the Lord. It means the I am here God at Sinai. That's the meaning of his name. I am here. With all capital letters, it appears for the very first time in Genesis 2, verse 4, after the Sabbath appears in Genesis 2, 1 to 3. The Sabbath, friend, is the sign of God's name. It's the first sign. It's the first sign that God can come to us in covenant relationship at the dawn of time. The Sabbath points to Jesus, really, as the creator and savior of the world. So it was in Eden, and so it will be at the time of the end. The human race began with Sabbath rest as they honor God's name. And those who gain the victory over the beast and his image and the number of the beast's name will do the same. They will honor God's name and they will have the rest of the seventh day. The Sabbath song of Moses and the Lamb is a bulwark against the false teaching of legalism and perfectionism. I want to dwell on this very briefly with you. As we prepare for the second coming of Christ, the great challenge to us in the remnant church is the challenge of legalism and perfectionism because it appears to be a righteous form of action when it's not. The problem with legalism and perfectionism is it puts all the glory on you. It makes it look like you have overcome when in fact you've become more proud. God's people who stand on Mount Zion, according to the book of Zephaniah, will be a humble people. There'll be no boasting about what they have achieved in the latter days. There'll be no sense that somehow they have outdone previous generations. That will not even be in their thinking. They'll be looking to the cross of Christ because they know when they look inside that they sinned here or there, they messed up, and were it not for the cross, they would not stand before God at the last day. 
Bible perfection, friend, there is such a thing. True Bible perfection is a humble reliance in faith and then in our flawed obedience as we grow, but nonetheless obedience. Reliance in faith and obedience on Jesus because we are all sinners and we easily fail and fall, so we must look to the cross. We must abide in Jesus to be complete. That's why we need Sabbath rest. The more you try, you cannot make yourself righteous. You must rest in a finished work to be righteous. There are many pious people in the church who would have you believe that you can make yourself perfect. I hear some saying, you know, we're going to vindicate the character of God at the time of the end. I'd like to know what you could do better than what Jesus did at the cross. That's nonsense talk. You're not vindicating anybody at the time of the end. God's going to save you if you get humble with him because he loves you. He has no more points to prove to the universe just because you're on earth at the time of the end. Christ is the clearest picture of the character of God. Christ will be in his people at the time of the end. It will be simply an outworking of what Jesus has already done for us. The law of God testifies against you if you have pride in your heart that you can't make yourself anything like perfect because one sin is all it takes to keep you out of heaven if the law is the standard of your righteousness. In the gospel of Christ, friend, it is God in Jesus, Christ in you that is the hope of glory. The song of Moses and the Lamb teaches us to rely on God and not ourselves for acceptance, for growth, for end-time perfection, whatever that will be. We leave it with God as we come to God, and thus we grow in God. No one will glory in that final day except in the cross of Christ, or it isn't real perfection. Revelation 15:4. Who shall not fear and glorify thy name, O Lord? For thou alone art holy. All nations shall come and worship thee, for thy judgments have been revealed. Angel perfection was not enough to keep Lucifer from sinning. And it won't keep a final generation from sinning either. Because our hope is not in perfection. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. Did you hear me? And Christ who started the work can finish it in you. Yes, you can be mature and perfect, but quit worrying about it. Let the Lord do his work in you. You spend time with him. Now, God's name, friend, is God's law. And when we really understand it, the law, and God, we will understand that no one is holy but God alone. There will be no generation at the time of the end bragging because they have vindicated the character of God. God doesn't need you to do that. The saved will know that without Jesus, they are nothing and they are not saved. But with Jesus, they are something and they are saved. And they will know that God is holy and that a holy and blameless God has drawn them to the cross. The text says, for thou alone art holy. Friend, the doctrine, I'm quoting from my favorite theologian here, the doctrine that man can save himself by his own works lays at the foundation of every heathen religion. And wherever this principle is held, there is no barrier against sin. The law shows us that we are sinners, and the gospel of Jesus informs us that God has provided a lamb for us to take away our sins. And thus we have a right, a legal and a relational right, to be in God's kingdom. Pastor Michael Oxentenko will be back in just a moment. Reaching Your Heart is a listener-funded program. We step out in faith to purchase airtime on this station because we believe God is working through this radio ministry to touch tens of thousands of lives. Each of our messages is prayed over, biblical messages of hope and Bible truth. To continue, we need your support. We do not have a large ministry fundraising machine. We operate totally by faith. 
Call our toll-free number to make your contribution of any size today. That number is 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Here now, once again, Pastor Michael Oxentenko. There's one more clue in the Song of Moses and the Lamb that we must not miss this morning. So just hang in there with me. Turn to Revelation 15, verse 4. The text says, Who shall not fear and glorify thy name, O Lord? See, those who are saved will honor the law of God. For thou alone art holy, it says. For all nations shall come and worship thee, for thy judgments have been revealed. Now this passage, the end of the Song of Moses and the Lamb, is a direct reference to Isaiah chapter 66. You should study it in relationship to this song. A direct allusion. Let's start in verse 18 of Isaiah 66. I want to take you through the context to bring you to where a direct quote is taken and placed right there in the Song of Moses and the Lamb. Isaiah 66, 18. For I know their works and their thoughts, God is speaking, and I am coming together all nations and tongues, and they shall come and see my glory, and I will set a sign among them. Ezekiel 20, 12 says, I gave them my Sabbath to be a sign, that they might know that I am the Lord who sanctifies them. So Isaiah sees a generation at the end, and God puts his Sabbath sign right among them at the time of the end. But they're not a group of people that sit with that knowledge and do nothing with it. They take it to the nations. They reveal his glory to the world. Somehow the Sabbath is linked with the gospel proclamation that goes to the entire planet at the time of the end. This is the language of the first angel's message of Revelation 14, 6-7, right here in Isaiah 6. An everlasting gospel, fear God and give him glory, for the hour of his judgment has come. And here they reveal his glory to the world. And then a remnant called survivors here appear that take this Sabbath sign to the planet. I mean, you can't miss it. The book of Isaiah is saying, you know what? It's not just the Jews of ancient times who have the Sabbath. It ends by saying there will be people all over the planet at the time of the end who receive the Sabbath from survivors, those who survived the medieval persecutions implied, who have it, and they take it to the world. A prophetic movement. Look at verse 19. It continues. And from them I will send survivors. That means a remnant. To the nations, to Tarshish, to Put, to Lud, who draw the bow to Tubal and Javan, to the coastlands afar off, that have not heard my fame or seen my glory, and they shall declare my glory among the nations. The first angel's message, I saw an angel flying in mid-heaven with an everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell upon the earth, to every nation, kindred, tribe, and tongue, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give Him glory, for the hour of His judgment has come. Worship Him in heaven, earth, and sea, and the fountains of water. I mean, right here is the language of the first angel's message in Isaiah 66. Verse 20 continues. It shows the fruit of the gospel in the lives of converted men and women who had the Sabbath sign. And they shall bring all your brethren from all the nations as an offering to the Lord upon horses and in chariots and litters, upon mules, upon dromedaries, alike camels. To my holy mountain Jerusalem, says the Lord, just as the Israelites bring their cereal offering in a clean vessel to the house of the Lord. I mean, look at the list here. Poor, rich, those who are economically Advantage those who aren't, but those that are outcasts. There's no racism in the list. The weak and the strong are together. This is a loving, triumphant group of people coming together. It's the Sabbath here is the great question that unites the hearts of God's dear waiting saints in Isaiah 66 because it bears witness to the glory of God's love that unites the world. 
No one will be left out of this call, and no racism or social or economic barrier will separate brethren who love God and who will keep his law and have the faith of Jesus. They come together because of the gospel call. Now, verse 21, And some of them also I will take for priests and for Levites, says the Lord. And here it is, verse 22. Circle that one in your Bible. For as the new heavens and the new earth, which I will make to remain before me, says the Lord, so shall your descendants and your name remain. Now God's law is God's name. And it will always last forever and ever. Look at verse 23. From new moon to new moon, from Sabbath to Sabbath, and here's the phrase, all flesh shall do. How does it read in your Bible? Shall come to worship before me, says the Lord. The Sabbath in eternity, there's a gathering when the entire planet, all flesh come and worship or bow down before him. This is the passage that is directly quoted in Revelation 15.4 in the victory song over the beast in his image. Revelation 15.4, Who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name, for thou alone art holy? For all nations shall come and worship before thee. A direct quote of Isaiah 66, 23. The Sabbath gathering, when all nations come and bow down, is the victory song over the mark and the beast and his image. The song of Moses and the Lamb, friend, is a Sabbath song because the mark of the beast is over the seventh-day Sabbath, the law of God and the gospel of God. It's the song of Moses because Moses gave us the law that shows us that we are sinners in need of salvation. I don't know about you, but I know I'm a sinner. Are you? Is it hard to say? I'm a sinner in need of Jesus. I am. Praise the Lord for Jesus. The law tells me I'm a sinner. I don't want to do away with the law because I need to know that I'm a sinner. Why? Because the gospel tells me I have a Savior. And because God's law and God's name is the same thing, it points to the gospel of mercy that is at the heart of God's law. In the gospel of God, God in Christ became the Lamb of God who takes away my sin and yours. And so the song of Moses and the Lamb is also the song of the Lamb because Jesus is the Lamb of God who saves us at the time of the end. Without a Lamb, the law can only condemn. But with the Lamb, the law has no power to condemn. The cross does not erase the law that points to the cross. The law is not an optional truth for end-time believers. Why? Because we need the cross. It points us to the cross. It shows us our need. We're all part of the world that has sinned against God. That's why God alone is holy. And the law tells us that perfectionism doesn't fly because none of us are. It's the song of Moses and the Lamb we need because God's law and God's gospel grace unite in the final call of the three angels' messages. The victory song over the mark of the beast and its image is the final Sabbath song of the church because Jesus will speak it again at the time of the end. You know, the nations will be raging. The death decree will go out. It'll be earth's darkest hour. It will look as if the people of God will die in a night. It'll be worse than anything Pharaoh ever came up with. The exodus that is needed will be more dramatic than that which brought God's people out of Egypt. And it will look as if God's people who have this covenant sign will die in a night, according to the book of Daniel and Revelation. And suddenly Jesus will appear crowned one, the prince, the son of man, the cloud rider will appear. Peace be still. And he will act in behalf of his people and the wrath of God will end. And we in Jesus will stand with harps in our hand on the sea of glass mixed with fire because a harp is a guitar, I think.
Dear heart, I want to sing the song no matter what they put in my hand. What about you? I want to be with Jesus. I don't want to fool around in the last days. We're hearing many voices today saying, it doesn't matter that we study the books of Daniel Revelation. Your very life is dependent upon you knowing the truth for the time of the end. God didn't give us three angels' messages so smart philosophers and theologians and preachers could tell you it doesn't matter. It matters. That's why they have a loud voice. Dear heart, come to Jesus, bow down before him on the seventh day. Experience the power of his covenant sign. And pray as Jesus commanded. And let Jesus in the gospel of grace do his marvelous work in your life. Feel his forgiveness, the rest, the power of a finished work for you. Experience the invitation, the joy of the Sabbath song. When war is no more and rest and song fill the air with the sweet music of harps and the victory song of Moses and the Lamb, we will stand only in Jesus on a peaceful sea of glass with fire. Jesus is coming. Let's meet on that sea of glass with fire. God bless you in the gospel God. Are you fascinated by the prophecies of Revelation? Have you wished you could understand prophecy better? Do the symbols of the Bible's last book baffle you? God's Last Altar Call is just the book you need. Mark Finley clearly explains the events soon to unfold in this world. Be sure to call today for your copy, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. The book is yours for a donation of any size. Thank you for your generosity. Your donations keep this ministry on the air. Again, thank you for your support. 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Again, you can listen to this broadcast online at reachingyourheart.com in its entirety along with the rest of the Cosmic Controversy series. And join us again next time. We so appreciate you listening. For Pastor Michael Oxentenko and everyone here, we do pray that God is reaching your heart. Your heart.